Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Forces of Business Transformation. In these episodes, I outline forces and pressures that affect businesses internally and externally so that the listener can better understand and control these dynamics of these forces to create more profitable and valuable organizations. These are everything that has to do with strategy. Many forces and pressures have been building and creating a desire for remote work, which is the topic of today's episode. We have a culture of mutual respect, trust, and a clear and simple strategy and outcome-based work. It doesn't matter if your workforce is co-located or distributed around the globe. You know, a culture that celebrates the remote workforce opens itself up to a greater pool of top talent, which, is, which could greatly improve the profitability of a company. I've talked to many CEOs who are like, where can I find talent? It's everywhere. You just have to have the right culture. So there's a love-hate relationship with remote work in the minds of many executives and owners. There's a fear of losing control, of lost productivity, declining profitability due to reduced output. You know, you don't want people on Facebook all day. You want them doing work. You know, these fears are realized those that employ a fixed mindset. So not everyone is going to, you know, fit into that logging into Facebook all day long. We're not doing anything. I think most people actually want to stay busy and help. You know, there's actually a few CEOs that I that I saw online uh, that are using some software to monitor frontline workers' screens. I mean, they can actually see where their mouse pointer is going. They can see what they type in, you know, because they figure if I'm paying these guys by the hour, I want to see what they're doing by the hour. You know, I mean, you're not going to keep people very long in that kind of environment. Uh, it just isn't going to work. Um, now, granted, these were programmers in, uh, you know, Russia somewhere or maybe Bulgaria. I'm not sure which, but, you know, it's still not the best thing to do. If you have an output, that's the best way to do it. And we're going to talk about that. So, you know, you've heard the saying that the tighter your grip, the more they will slip through your fingers. It's kind of the way it's going to work. So you need to adopt a growth mindset, a great book on the subject, uh, growth mindset. Um, You need to develop a culture of mutual trust and your leadership team needs to be on the same page and in the same game. Everyone should have a playbook and there should be no question how everyone contributes and what is expected of them in support of this playbook. They should have a clearly defined outcomes with target dates that are mutually agreed to. You know, when I was thinking about doing this interview for this podcast, I couldn't think of anything, anybody better than uh, Bernie Spang, who I used to work for uh, on a remote team uh, a little, a, a couple of years after the turn of the century, uh, you know, way back when. I can't believe it's been 20 years. But uh, Bernie ran like the best team that I've ever been on. Uh, and I've been on some really good teams. Um, Bernie ran the WebSphere Studio Tools marketing team that was part of the WebSphere middleware marketing team. That was within the IBM software group, uh, not part of IBM Global Services, different group, IBM software group. Um, we worked a lot actually with Red Hat back then. So it's kind of interesting that they finally bought Red Hat, but whatever. Um, I do want to say right now that I invited Bernie as a personal uh, friend, uh, you know, outside of IBM. He's doing this on his own time. Uh, so legal disclaimer here, <laughs> in no way is he representing IBM, speaking on behalf of IBM. Anything he says is outside of that environment. Uh so, you know, this is just a conversation about an actual team that functioned extraordinarily well 20 years ago. I mean, we were just barely out of the 56K modem era. Um, Zoom wasn't even anybody's mind back then. Um, so Bernie has been 
Let's see. So Bernie's currently program director, Watson Marketing Apps uh, in the IBM Cloud and Cognitive Software Unit. And his team markets the Watson apps for building AI-powered virtual assistants and AI-powered search applications. Cool area. He has held various engineering, business development, strategy, marketing, and offering management roles at IBM over 34 years, which seems like it was just yesterday. God, 34 years. He's also earned a Master of Computer Engineering from Syracuse University. And prior to joining IBM, he earned his engineering degree from Stevens Institute of Technology. So, Bernie, man, I'm thrilled that I could convince you to join me on my podcast today. So, welcome. Well, thank you, Mark, and thank you for that great uh, introduction. I'm flattered. And, Good. And it's a great and uh, timely topic, that's for sure. It is, it is. So I, going back then, tell me, um, tell me in the audience, I guess, you know, what, what were you doing before? You know, I, I knew you when you took over the team. I don't quite remember what you were doing before, but, you know, did you manage remote teams or were you part of a team, remote managers uh, before? So I was fortunate enough to have a, a series of really strong managers uh, in my, my career at IBM at that point, which was, I don't know, 10, 15 years at that point. Mm. Um, initially in a development lab in Poughkeepsie, um, where we were all there, and, and there was very little remote activity going on and, and started before modems and, and the opportunity. Um, but I was grounded in, in some really strong management techniques, you know, management by walking around, uh, mm. you know, interacting with the teams, making sure that it, paying attention to the team health, not just the team output, um, but then the clarity of the goals, you know, making sure everybody saw, understood the strategy, understood the goals of the team, et cetera. Um, and then a little later on, I was fortunate enough to, to work uh, for Pat Soltz when she was the VP of Internet Software hmm. at IBM. And she led a diverse team that was distributed, you know, across IBM. And I got to watch her, you know, firsthand and learn from her firsthand how to to lead a, a distributed team. And, and basically it was the same skills, the same behaviors um, of, of interacting with the team, setting the goals, paying attention to the team health, keeping the, the lines of communication open. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's management by walking around. That, that, that's such a great, great concept. And, you know, my opinion, and I think many thought leaders, Marshall Goldsmith, Patrick Lencioni, you know, others would agree that, you know, an organization that's kept informed of the leadership playbook, uh, which they are, you know, when you're walking around and talking to them, you know, they're much more likely to be a high performing organization. Um, I think that's uh, maybe maybe that's why, you know, remote teams worked is because we had that culture within IBM before remote teams even became a thing. You know, it was we were tied into our our management and our leadership. Right. Yeah, but then there are some people who say, "Well, yeah, managed by management by walking around is critical. That's why I'm not comfortable with the idea of remote teams," and and that's where I'd say that you know you don't literally have to be walking around. It's the contact, it's the interaction, it's time intentionally spent talking about things other than the work product mm-hmm. and the project. Right, taking the time to ask about family. What'd you do this weekend? Um, 
both one-on-one where you get, you know, the, the more comfortable interaction, uh, as well as on group calls. And now with like, you know, you mentioned Zoom and, or WebEx or, or whatever, you know, the video conferencing now, we're having, you know, my team these days, we have uh, uh, video happy hours uh, once a week where, you know, you know, Bring a, bring, a, bring a cocktail and you're not allowed to talk about work and just get on for, you know, an hour and talk about what you did that day, what you're doing on coming on the weekend. Um, and it's great. And it's it, it just a whole different vibe on the team uh, after we started that. Yeah, right? I bet. Right. And I mean, we did this back, like you said, it feels like forever ago. Um, but I remember, you know, doing team conference calls, intentionally starting with a discussion about what I did this weekend, what you guys do this weekend. You know, the yep. the water cooler type talk, yeah, is critical. Um, but then, I remember always talking about the latest Star Wars movie that just came out. You know, because our team was, you know, we had people in San Francisco. I was in Atlanta. You were up in New York. Uh, Tim and some other guys were in Raleigh. You know, and then we had people elsewhere in the world, but they didn't really join our calls. But yeah, I mean, that was. But you bring, up, you bring up a good point when you mentioned California. The other thing is you got to pay attention to time zones. Yeah. Right. So. I like waking them up early, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I heard somebody this week was griping about having to do a call at six o'clock at night. And I was like, you know, those are the people that get up at 5 a.m. to, you know, to, to do our early calls. So, you know, light, yeah. lighten up. Yeah. You got it. So the key point is you got to spread spread the off hour calls around, um, you know, acknowledge the whole team and everybody's time zone and pay attention to that or, or split calls, right. You can do some, you know, two calls a day to, if you literally have a global team. Right. Right. Um, so there's the techniques like that, that you can do, but it really f- comes back to just good, strong fundamental management. If you have that in place and you've got, you know, a, a culture of, clarity about the business strategy, your team's role in supporting that strategy, and then specific, you know, clarity on the project and the deliverables and who's doing what, then being remote isn't a problem. Yeah. Let, let me unpack that a little bit. Cause you know, outside of IBM, um, you know, people, people, they don't, they don't think the way, you know, you would think like internally, I guess. Uh, but it's, um, yeah, I remember we would be on conference calls where we would have everybody from, you know, John Swainson and his team, and they would, you know, here's the strategy. Here's what we're going to do over the next 90 days. And then we would have like sub meetings, uh, you know, with, with some of the middle managers. Um, uh, I don't want to mention names. I guess I, I want to mention names, but I won't do <laughs> the podcast. But, you know, uh, the, the lady who reported to John. Um, and you know, she would have her team and say, here's how we're going to support that strategy right. you know, with our team. And here's what the other teams are going to be doing. So we, we knew what marketing was gonna be doing, engineering, uh, you know, and all the other, uh, moving parts, you know, we would see that at their level. And then we would get together like in our group and you would bring us together to say, okay, in part of that, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, I love that. Exactly. And I think that's what makes it work. Most companies, they don't do that. It's command and control. They just, Well, you know, know, it also depends on what kind of company you are and and your culture and history. So, I mean, that's certainly something that needs to to be factored in. Um, But if you have strong management practices and a culture like that, then, you know, that 
communicates well with the team, then the working remote isn't a problem. And if working or having to work remote, like many are, are having to do now for the first time, um, becomes a problem for some teams, you know, it may uncover just some unsound management practices that had been going on that were a bit masked by uh, everyone being there. Um, so it might be an opportunity to learn, you know, about your management team and who's, you know, being strong and, and leading the team and who's not. Right. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's more of an open leadership versus, you know, a closed leadership uh, type of mentality. I mean, I, I've had, I've watched some managers who will, uh, you know, they'll come up with a PowerPoint of what the team's mission is and that's fine, but none of the team knows like what his boss or what the leaders are doing necessarily. And then they'll, you know, go over each person individually. Here's what you're going to do in support of this, you know, in a private closed office. So the team never collaborates, you know. So, you know, one of the, one of the things that I liked about our team was that, you know, even after we got together as our team, as, you know, part of that overall strategy, um, you brought us all together and and we knew everything that needed to be done. And we would kind of go over it, you know, as a, as a group, like, you know, you'd say, Mark, you're going to be doing this, uh, you know, and somebody else in the team, you're going to be doing that. And I would know what they're doing. They would know what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, that you would be surprised how many companies where that type of environment is missing. Well, in fact, you know, since those days, I've, I've led other teams, um, where, you know, I brought that behavior. And actually, my, my current team now, I spend a lot of, I'm, I'm relatively new leading this team, and I spend a lot of time connect what I call connecting the dots, right? And going over, are you connected with so-and-so? Do you know what they're doing? Are we getting input from these guys and those guys and those guys? Oh, yeah, and, I remember you doing that with me. And, and, Partner world, yeah. Right, not just within the team, but then how the team needs to interact across the organization, perhaps with partners and, and with with clients. Um, and so that's another thing, again, doesn't matter whether you're co-located or remote as a team. It's just important, you know, management 101 practices to make sure that the team knows everybody's roles, who's doing what, you know, it's the, it's the football team analogy, right? Everybody needs to know how the play is running and who's running where. And, you know, so they, everybody's relying on everybody to play their part. Same thing here. And if you're doing that well and communicating it, you know, constantly, the, the remote team isn't a problem because everybody knows what they're doing and they should be interacting and doing the things together that you've laid out without you having to be there watching or, or doing the command and control. And I definitely agree with your point that, um, you know, folks are going to be more productive, are going to enjoy working for you and with you and stay on your team, uh, you know, if they're happy with the environment and feel empowered and that they're able to contribute. And if you're really worried about people aren't, aren't, you know, actually spending the hours and they're doing other things and other distractions, you know, then you haven't set the goals and you're not able to measure the results, you know, well, that's what you need to fix. Because, you know, the one of the other things is people say, Oh, you know, they didn't work eight hours today, right? They had to go off and do something. Well, okay. But they're working at home. They're also working later at night. They're working in the morning. They're working over the weekends because their workstations are set up. Um, so it works out, I have found, that people tend to work more when working at home. 
And that can be a problem. I can remember plenty of times where I'd get up at seven o'clock with a cup of coffee and, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm ripping through emails and then all of a sudden I realize it's seven o'clock at night and I never really moved from my desk. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a very valid point. And there's a lot of communication going on now, you know, including within IBM to managers to and to employees. Remember to take breaks, to walk around, to exercise, you know, uh, nutrition is important. All those things that you can can get kind of lost in a blur because you don't have that rhythm of commuting to and from work and and the lunch hour, you know, breaking things up. So that's, yeah. a, that's a good point. God, I would love to ask you a question right now, but I know you're not allowed to answer it, so maybe I should. Well, hell, no, I'm not going to ask it. I will say the question I want to ask is why why IBM wants to bring everybody back on site because remote seems to work so well. I don't understand where that came from. Well, you know, like with everything else in life, there's balance um, and the need for balance. You You can go too far, you know, in one direction or the other. Um, so, yeah, I agree. So, People get isolated. You know, like I, we, we, we didn't see each other until we went to like trade shows, you know, like once every couple of months or something and be like, oh, well, that's what you look like. I only know what you sounded like, you know? Right. And then there's the other thing is, again, it depends on what your business is, right? You may need to be, have a center of gravity to meet with clients and, and to work with partners or to work with your agencies that are local. And, you know, the types of work you, you're doing may involve more in-person interactions. So, you know, mm-hmm. there's no single answer for everyone, that's for sure. Right. So getting back to you know, the earlier question, um, you, know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, on uh, our team, you know, you would make sure that we were talking to the right people, that the right connections were being made. I mean, you know, it's obvious to say that we've got goals in, in line with the overall strategy, but, you know, you, you had a way of, of really directing us in the right direction just by asking questions. You know, have you reached out to this person to do this? You know, most most managers, you know, that I will give you that that's one of your special, special sauces. And I would like to, you know, get you to talk more about that because I'd like to sort of unpack that because I think it's a great skill to teach other people. So you were doing that before you, you, you got into our group. So that was, you know, 15 20 years yeah, ago. Well, I, you know, I would say that that is something I learned from Pat. Um, she was certainly a, an important mentor for me. Um, I watched the way she interacted, not just with her team, you know, direct reports in her organization. And it was a couple hundred person organization at that point, but also then how she interacted with her peers and the, and the peer organizations and with clients. And, and I really took that to heart. And she, um, you know, she wasn't an engineer by training like I was, um, and just had, just had a different view of life that, that I, you know, I tried to absorb and emulate. And I saw the power of that came from getting people connected to see how they interacted and it, you know, and it being a force multiplier is, is the term I, I like to use here, right? Everybody could be doing, you could have 10 people doing really good hard work in their swim lanes and, and not really see how they're interconnected with other folks, you know, and you're going to get 10 units at work, but you interconnect them and interconnect all with each other. And then externally, and you're going to get, you know, 10 times 10 units of value out of that. Yeah. I mean, especially you know, you, if you look at creativity, you're really just taking one concept and merging it with another different concept, come up with something new. 
And that happens when you, you know, meet other people. Um, I know I, I created a program just out of thin air because you introduced me to somebody. I had no idea why I was talking to him, but we started talking and it was like, wow, that would be a cool idea. Let's go with it. You know? Right. Well, it gets back to your point you brought up early on. You know, you said the best talent is everywhere. It could be anywhere. The other important corollary to that is, you know, greater diversity of the talent. And yep. diversity is, is an important thing, you know, n- not just gender and race, you know, just in point of view, culture, world, you know, location in the world. Um, you get different viewpoints that are brought to the team. It can make the team stronger. Yeah, you need that natural tension, you know, of people. That's another thing I loved about, you know, I, I remember being on a call one time that one of the engineers uh, just boarded out, that's not going to work. And one of the senior VPs, was like, well, what do you mean? That's not going to work. And, you know, the engineer laid it out and he said, because this, that, and the other thing, he's just like, well, that's a really good observation. And then then he gave it to do to a couple of managers to go out and figure it out and bring it back at the next meeting. But just the fact that that was, you know, an acceptable piece of our culture, you know, most, most companies are just like going, I can't believe you just said that you're going to get fired, you know? Well, right. Then again, it comes back to just good, strong management techniques and skills and culture uh, for high performance teams. And if you have that or you're building that, it, it can work well in as a remote team. Mm-hmm. Right? And if you really don't have that and you have that more command and control and not as mature, uh, you know, a uh, an inclusive management style, that's probably going to be more brittle when you have to work remote. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about some of the, you know, working with remote teams, what are some of the challenges uh, that, you know, you've faced leading remote teams and and what would you tell other, other managers, you know, to, uh, you know, pros and cons or, you know, techniques? Sure. Um, Well, the time zone, one is a challenge, especially if you're you're truly global, right? Mm. And, you know, I was just recently chasing an issue where, you know, I'm in New York. The one guy's in California. The critical one of the critical pieces of the puzzle was in India, um, and you know it's challenging. You got to have patience and realize that some things might take a 24 hour cycle, or you've got to think ahead and get other players, you know, bought in if there's a critical issue um, that you know, you got to have a backup plan. So, so thinking globally, if you're in that, in that kind of situation is, is an extra challenge. Uh, the other thing is if you have team members who are, are, you know, introverts, you know, don't want to get on the camera, don't want to have more of that, you know, open interaction remotely, they do better in person talking to people than others. You know, that certainly can be a challenge, right? Not everybody is, uh, you know, wants to jump on a, a podcast like we're doing and and interact, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so and they get lost too because everyone's just like, "Has anybody seen so and so for two weeks?" You know. It's- well, right, exactly. So you do need to actually. I was just on a call recently where it was one of these happy hour calls, and everybody's talking, but one of the 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 folks was quiet, and I said, "Oh, you know, hey, you've been quiet. What are you doing this weekend?" You know, you got to think and pay attention and watch that kind of thing. And, draw, and, and she got in, she started talking and perked right up. And, you know, it's one of, like you said, people can get lost if you don't pay attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the week after I started, it seems like, or maybe it was two weeks after I started with, with the team, I had to uh, 
do a launch call at like 11 o'clock at night for the Japanese audience. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, well, any, any other advice or observations? I mean, along these lines, you know, this is, uh, this is perfectly right in line with what I, I tell my clients, uh, you know, of building the right culture by, you know, starting with the leadership team, working your way out. You know, if you, if you do that, it shouldn't matter if people are, you know, on site, remote or anywhere. Right. Right. No, I agree. Well, so my advice would be to, to consider it uh, an opportunity and a, a, a potential to really elevate your whole team because you, you're going to need to elevate your management team's ability, you know, to lead that team and to set the communication stuff. So it's actually an opportunity to make your team stronger. And I don't mean just by finding pe- new people that are remote. I mean your existing team because you, your management team has to work harder, you know, to make sure they're operating as a high-performance team. Yeah. And we were all all friends, you know. It was, yeah, and that makes so much 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 stronger team. I agree. That's a great observation. So, well, Bernie, man, thanks. I, it was great catching up with you, and uh, you know, let, let's stay in touch. And thank you so much for uh, being on my podcast. Well, thanks for the opportunity and the kind words. Take care and good luck to uh, all your listeners. All right, thank you. Uh-